This episode is brought to you by Victoria Police. Are you made for more? Search Police Careers to find out. After watching that insane penalty shootout at the FIFA Women's World Cup, I'm so curious to hear from anyone who has been a soccer goalkeeper at a high level. And Beth Mason-Jones is exactly that. Beth signed for Melbourne Victory at 19, claiming an A-League premiership in her three-year stint before moving across to Canberra United. Beth joined the Victoria Police in 2019 as a protective services officer. This chat involves some incredible lessons Beth has learned about looking after yourself and your mental health and finding the confidence to take a leap at some new opportunities. There's some awesome stories in here. I hope you enjoy it. Beth, welcome to the Female Athlete Project. Thanks for having me. To start us off, can you tell us a little bit about what you were like as a kid? I was definitely actually a bit of a troublemaker. Um, I didn't really like following the rules or um, I guess I liked to just do my own thing and didn't kind of stick with the status quo. So um, it's pretty interesting now that I work in law enforcement considering that's that's kind of my uh, how I was as a, as a child growing up. <laughs> It's quite a funny theme. We we spoke to um, Rach in, a, in an earlier episode and she kind of described herself when she was younger as a basketballer as a bit of a rebel. Is there a theme, do you find, with your fellow cops that that's sometimes where they then change? I mean, I don't have a lot of friends that I had um, growing up that are in the job, so I can't really vouch for how they were growing up. Um but yeah, I guess you get you get similar kind of personalities and um, similar kind of sense of humor and all that. So I can definitely see a trend like that uh, in in the police. <laughs> Where was it that you first found your love for soccer? I played a lot of sports when I was growing up: um, basketball, netball, volleyball, cricket. Um, that's kind of all I wanted to do. Um, but. I would say when I tried out for the school team and I was the only girl that got in, so I, I was kind of, you know, very proud of that. And then um, that night I went down to the local soccer club, Croydon City Arrows, and joined a team then and there. And I think that, you know, I got to that age around 14, 15 where I had to choose one and that was the the sport. I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So I must have loved it to choose it. Was there someone in your life or someone that you'd seen like on TV or something that you felt like was part of the reason that you chose that? Um, my family is very soccer orientated. My Nana was from Liverpool. My mum's from England and they're crazy Liverpool fans. And <laughs> my brother obviously played when I was younger too. So we would go watch him play. And then um, I think that's probably why I tried out for the soccer team because I guess, cause he played. Um, so I would I would probably say there was definitely an influence there as to why I why I started. Does that mean you are a Liverpool fan? Of course. <laughs> do you often get up? Do you do middle of the night to watch the games? How how committed are you? <sighs> I love my sleep too much <laughs> to do that to myself. Um, especially, I mean, I work shift work too. So if there is the potential to to have a little squiz at the game or have a squiz at their highlights, I will do my best. Um, but yeah, I do love my sleep. So I feel yeah, I am. Um, I'm all about watching the replay in the morning if I uh, if I have the choice. Yeah, Optus Sports where it's at. <laughs> yeah, nice. 
how did you first start to work out that you could potentially play at the top level in soccer? I think I definitely got a bit disheartened around when I was like 17, 18 and I'd been in state teams but only as emergencies growing up and I think I I think because I got knocked back so much at that youth level it kind of made me want to work harder and prove people wrong that's something about me if I set my mind to something and I want to do something and people tell me no I'm going to I'm still going to find a way to do it it's quite an interesting balance because I think like I played basketball as a kid before I transitioned to different sports and I was kind of that always that like fringe player at that at that higher level and it's quite an interesting balance right particularly for young people around whether they keep persevering and keep pushing through to get to that so it's interesting that you can kind of like look at it as as something of of you almost being stubborn and and wanting to prove people wrong what yeah. what do you think it is like that drives you to do that I think like at the end of the day I just don't like other people defining me Hmm. and I think you know if someone tells me I can't do something and I'm I don't like to think that oh you know they've said that so that's what other people are going to think so I want to show myself that okay well if that's what they think I'm going to prove them wrong and I'm going to show them what I can actually do and you know, what other people say isn't, isn't actually what is true at the end of the day. How did you first get involved with Melbourne Victory, a, a team that's had a fair bit of success over the years? I actually had come off a season with Calder United in the NPL. And I think we'd, we'd won everything. We'd won like the team app, Nike Cup. We'd won the premiership, the championship. And I hadn't gotten a trial at an A-League club and I was you know, I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like, you know, I've conceded the least goals. I've been training hard. I've been working hard. And I ended up just emailing the coach myself. I said, hi, listen, I am a young keeper. I am just looking to be involved in the environment. I want to train hard. I want to be exposed. And they replied and they invited me down to a couple of trials. Um, and they were actually going to sign, they'd signed a goalkeeper, a first choice, and then they had they had already planned on signing a second choice and that second choice ended up breaking her leg. So they were like, look, I've been really impressed with, you know, what you've shown at trials and we want to offer you a contract. That's a very cool story. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up signing for Melbourne Victory and we had an international goalkeeper there at the time and I think it was maybe three or four games in, she did her meniscus in the Melbourne Derby against Melbourne City and I ended up playing, which is something I didn't even expect at that time. What was it like to kind of go from having the courage to send the email, having to prove yourself and then getting your chance to play and feel like you deserve to be out there? I think it was all, I I think I was just too, like I was honestly just very excited about getting to train to begin with and then getting a contract and then getting to play. I think it was just all, I guess I was just too excited about the thing that happened before to even worry about, you know, getting the contract or 
getting to play just all happens really fast and it was just all very enjoyable, honestly, and a bit, a bit surreal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And you guys, as Melbourne Victory, you're part of a premiership winning team. What's it like to to win at that top level? Yeah, it's a good feeling, honestly. I mean, to win um, to win a premiership with them was really, really amazing. I mean, it's a top level in Australia and I, I mean, to go from playing, you know, grassroots football to to getting to play and win a a championship in your in your country. It's it's I don't know, you can't really you don't really think about how big it is and how big the jump is. And I guess once you slowly keep working upwards and you don't really realize how far you've come in the end. How did it go from the success and the highs to a point where you may have fallen out of love with the game a little bit? I think I, I don't know. I think a lot of things just, things just happened in my life. Personally, a lot of people around me that weren't very supportive of what I was doing and were really negatively impacting my mental health, which I think changed who I was as a person for quite a while. And I think when you, you know, when you are going through a mental battle, you, a lot of people from the outside don't really know what's going on and it changes, it changes the way you come off and how you're perceived and stuff like that. And I think, you know, my vision on the game had changed a lot just because of the influences around me. Um, obviously COVID also wasn't, wasn't very, you know, helpful towards anyone. Um, and, you know, not, not being able to play, I think, um, really, really impacted people. And I guess it really impacted me too. Um, but I think I got to the point where I needed a little bit of a break and to change things up a little bit after, after I was at Canberra United and decided to go take a step back and, um, continue to play, but at a bit of a lower level, a little bit less commitment so I can focus on myself. I can focus on, you know, I can give what that team needs without giving too much and taking away from myself. So I decided to go to Essendon Royals after Canberra and just played state one. I had a friend that was there and she gave my name to the coach and was like, the coach was like, yeah, I want to have this keeper with us. Like my friend was like, yep, she's a great gal. She'll be really good for the team. And yeah, just signed on to Essendon Royals for 2021 season. And we played state one um, and then got promoted to VPL. And that's where 20, what what year are we? 20. It's tough to say. 2024. (laughs) 2024. So no, 2022 is when I went to Essendon and played state one and then we got promoted. And then last year, 2023, we played VPL, won um, won the league again. So next year, this year, gosh, um, <laughs> 2024, we're headed into the NPL and we, like, I'm excited. I'm, I think I'm going back a few years to play at a lower level and just try and, like, find my love for the game, find, you know, try and, I don't know if it sounds cheesy, but find myself 
like maybe not the old me, but a new me, a better me. Um, and so, yeah, now I'm ready. You know, I'm just ready to get back into NPL and work towards playing at that that higher level again. So, yeah. It's really cool. And thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that because I think that mental health side of things is obviously something that impacts people in their daily life. But it's just really interesting for an elite athlete, the way that it can impact your sport. Like I think I know for me, like when I've had my battles with anxiety and, and mental health, it's such it's so all consuming a lot of the time and sport can either be something where it's an escape or it can be something that it doesn't necessarily help it. So it's a really cool thing that you've kind of worked out for you. You just needed to take a step back and find that love and find yourself again, because it's a, it's a hard thing to work out, right? You don't always know what the next best step forward is. Yeah. I think I was just in such a bad place for such a long time. And I think a lot of people didn't know that either. And obviously if people can't, don't know and they don't know how to help. And I mean, if you don't know how to help yourself being in that space, then it's really hard to, to expect anyone else to know how to help or understand what you're going through. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's right. Like sport, soccer can be like a great escape. Um, and it can be really helpful if you have the, you know, you've got the right coaches, you've got the right teammate, you've got the right club behind you to support you and be like you know we've noticed you're going through things and you know we're here to support you and um just hope hope that you give give us what you can and you give us you give us what you you give us what you can and we can give you that back like um so yeah it's very interesting if you're at the wrong club or you're in the wrong environment it could just go the complete opposite way to helpful do you feel like there's anything along the journey that's helped you to now feel comfortable to speak about it or has it just been you kind of over time finding finding the confidence to have your voice? I think it's been about trying to find the right things to say and I haven't, I've always kind of been like, you know, when you're in that bad place or you, you, tr- you say too much or you don't say enough and I think it's just trying to find the right words and, you know, you don't need to give everything that you don't need to say everything that you've been through or give all the details because that's personal to you. And you can, you can say, you can say a lot of stuff and it, I like, I'm trying to put this right. I, I can say things, but I don't want certain things to be judged Mm -hmm. and that's that's okay like I know certain things can come out a different way to other people um and yeah I think it's just about saying the the right amount and you don't need to share everything just share about what you're comfortable with and what what you feel like you need to say yeah and finding the right people as well to share with as well. Like I think yeah, that's a big the part right of it that people. you feel safe with. Yeah. Get more from your job with a career at Victoria Police. The freedom to go on more holidays with nine weeks annual leave. More connection with your community where you'll make a difference every day. The chance to meet more people where workmates become your best mates. Get all of this and more with a career at Victoria Police. Search Police Careers today. 
authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne. Um, and so where is your head at now with your football career moving forward? You sound like really excited. You've been part of these really cool promotions because the team's been really successful, I imagine. Not many goals have been let in with your current team, with the uh, with the goalie. Um, where's your head at now? Is it trying to return to A-League, looking at other options? Yeah, so um, just been putting a plan in, pe- in place the last maybe four months or so um, in terms of, you know, my training. So getting getting a new strength and conditioning coach, working with my old goalkeeper coach from Melbourne Victory, Jeff Olver, um, and, you know, just finding the right people and, you know, buying into their philosophy and how they want to, they want to help me and getting them to understand how, how they can help me as well. Um, so yeah, just been, been training hard, working hard, focusing on my diet. Um, and then also just working with work to say, you know, to make sure we're on the same page and, I've my my bosses have been great um, about you you know supporting me and my goals and my dreams and what I want to achieve and um, just being open and honest with everyone and it's been really great to see the support that I've actually received from work and um, yeah so I'm really excited to you know be going back and working hard and seeing what this year brings. What does it feel like to potentially have the chance to get back to that top level when you're in a good headspace? Like what is it that's pushing you to get back there? Is it that you know that you've still got a lot left to give at that level? Yeah, I think I'm just, you know, I'm not happy with the way I've left my soccer career, I suppose. I know I've got so much more to give and I've got so much more potential and I don't want to let, you know, my past or my you know, what I've been through affects the way I exit. And so, you know, I'm still young, even though I don't feel as young as I, I probably should. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I've got a lot more to give. I've got, I've got a lot to prove and I just, you know, I'm hoping I, I get the support and I get the, that opportunity to, to continue to develop at that level. What does the conversation look like when you're doing shift work with the police to potentially go into a, is it still pretty part-time, the the A-League progressing towards full-time for the women on the right track? It's <laughs> definitely improved. Um, yeah. Obviously the, the Home World Cup for the Matildas um, was immense, <laughs> I guess. Like it was just such a, a strong show of football for Australia and I think obviously most of Australia has fallen in love with the Tillies and it's really good to see that, you know, we we put on a show for them, we can we can we can play, we can do whatever we want if we've we're given the right support, we're given the right funding. And I think it's definitely headed in the right direction. And it is it is pretty exciting to to see where it continues to go, especially after that home World Cup. And I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, if you look over overseas at the Barclay Super League where Sam Kerr and Steph Catley and Kyra Cooney Cross, like all those players, um, you know, I've played with them. I've played against them. It's just, it's amazing to see them, you know, finally getting what they deserve and 
it just looks like they're living their best life over there. I want to chat a little bit about a bit more about the Tillies in that World Cup. Can you give us a bit of insight into what the A-League women's currently looks like for the players in terms of time commitments and trainings and things? I imagine it's pretty similar to the last time I was there. Um, I know that gradually and slowly the the wages are increasing. Um, the time commitment, you know, you've got you've got to train, you've got to travel, you've got to have team meetings you've got to do all that stuff. So, um, you know, it, it, it is a full-time job, you know, and that's, but I still don't see it being treated like a full-time job because, you know, in this climate inflation, you've got to be able to afford things and you want to be able to save for the future and you got to, you know, you've got to protect yourself, but you also want to do what you love, which is why, um, you know, it's disappointing to see the players, um, there was a player at Wellington Phoenix recently who she just couldn't do it anymore. It was, it was too, um, it was too rough on her financially. And it's, it is such a shame to see that, especially after the world cup, um, that, you know, players are still in that position that they can't just, you know, financially support themselves on a league alone. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, that's, that's what the PFA is working towards is better conditions for us and better pay. And um, let's really just hope that, you know, in the, in the next few years, um, it really, it really does improve. And it's, it's not a, a stress or a financial burden on people to do what they love, especially when they're that good at it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. I reckon you hit the, hit the nail on the head, that idea of even if you're, you're paid part-time, the expectations are still completely full-time. Like you can't just, even in your off-season, right, you can't just completely switch off and decide to stop being an athlete because you'll get back and I don't know yeah. what the fitness testing is like for you guys, but for us we've got a, for AFLW, we've got a 2K time trial or whatever it is that you have to come back to. Yeah, It's so difficult when you've got these part-time contracts that might not be year-round when there's still the expectation that you are a full-time 12-month-of-the-year athlete. Yeah, especially if, you know, the season's, what, six months? It's been a bit longer this year for the A-League, which is which is great. But, I mean, if you only sign a, you know, a one-season contract, what are you doing for the for that off-season? Are you coming back? Are you, are you going to get a contract elsewhere? You just don't know. Yeah, there's so many question marks and it, it makes it hard to really plan your life outside of that. I have to discuss, because I was thinking of you talking about being a goalie, my palms were so sweaty during that penalty shootout. <laughs> How were you feeling knowing what it would have been like for Mackenzie Arnold to be in that position? I just think Mackenzie would have been like, that's it. This is my time. Like, you know, she's been a second keeper in the Matildas for such a long time. She just, she, she would have been nervous, but I think she just would have been like, I better not swear, you know, stuff this shit. I mean, oh, <laughs> uh, um, she just would have been like, stuff this. This is my moment. You know, it's it's my turn to prove that I'm here for a reason. That's why I'm playing. And, you know, she did that. And I think those are just kind of the moments, especially goalkeepers live for because, you know, it, it is it is all on you most of the time. Like, you know, you get a 
an outfield player just taking one penalty kick, but you got to be in there for all on the other other side of that, those other penalty kicks from the other team. So I think that's yeah. I think as as scary and nervous as a penalty shootout can be, I think it's uh, something I would live for. What is going through your head in that moment, like when your opposition players lining up to take their kick? What are you thinking as a keeper? to prepare yourself? Obviously everyone's got their own different routines and things, but what are kind of the main things for those of us who have no idea? I'm just thinking, you know, be confident. Don't, um, don't second guess yourself. You know, if you're going to go one way, go. If you're going to, everyone's got different tactics when it comes to a penalty shootout. Some people look at the body positioning. Some people just pick a side and go. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, I'm just like, okay, if you're going to go, go hard. I like that. Yeah. Moving on to your career at Vic Police, was it in 2019 you completed your studies? Yeah. And um, from what I've heard, you were pretty good academically. You missed out on the top spot by half a mark, was it? Yeah, which is uh, interesting. I've never been a a school or a study kind of person, um, which kind of touching on my rebellious or stubborn childhood. <laughs> Just wanted to play sport. So, um no, it was good. Uh, it was 12 weeks at the academy for a PSO um, with the operational and academic training. And uh, I think I would just, you know, I wanted to do well, like anything I do. It's same with soccer. If I'm going to do it, I want to, I want to, I don't want to just pass. I want to actually be the best. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I was pretty, pretty proud of myself to, to do, to do very well in, um, in academy um and yeah it was a long time ago now four and a half years so a little bit hazy at this point (laughs) (laughs) how was it that you got to that point of of choosing that you wanted to become a police officer I think it was that thought process of obviously um you know back then the pay for a-league was much worse than it is now and I was like you know what am I gonna do like how you know, how am I going to support myself after soccer? Like what, you know, what's the plan? Um, and I was thinking about police kind of around the time. It was it was never anything that I'd actually thought of when I was younger. Um, but I thought about it for a good 12 months and I was like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's apply. And I wanted to apply for PSO so I could get a better, better understanding of Victoria Police without, I guess, taking that giant leap. Can you explain PSO for the listeners who may not know? Yeah, so PSO is a protective services officer at Victoria Police and we are mainly stationed at train stations. Um, There's also a unit called PSU, which is the protective services unit, and they are stationed out of... uh, landmarks such as Parliament House, the Victorian Police Centre, um, the Shrine of Remembrance, all those kind of places. Um, and I think the main appeal was we get to work 10-hour shifts, which means we work eight days a fortnight and then we have six days off a fortnight, which I thought was really attractive, in speci- especially in terms of, um, you know, wanting to continue to play soccer as well. Um, so I applied for PSO. Uh, I think it took about 14 months at that time to get into the process. 
into yeah. the yeah into a squad um but i i think uh it's sped up a lot more the recruiting process since then and what is it that you love about the career that you currently have other than the leave <laughs> um <laughs> no, a good bonus it's it's pretty good um no i i do like i like Vic- victoria place because it's always had the opportunity to go down different pathways. Um, I've never been someone that likes to do the same thing for too long. Um, so I think being able to be a PSO and then being able to cross over and then, you know, you can do general duties or you can go down other other pathways such as, you know, highway patrol, dog squad, you can be a detective. There's just you know, there's just so many different things that you can do within the organisation. Do you have a favourite story from your time as a as an officer? Favourite story? I don't. I don't know. It's you're probably going to think it's a bit lame, but I think I was just really proud of the way I did this job. And um, I was just at Flinders Street Station one night, and we had a ruckus downstairs while we were having having a meal break. Um, and me and my offsiders, we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, yeah, let's go. Like, it's go time. We just got up. We went outside. Um, and I was the first one to get down there because obviously I'm so quick. Um, and <laughs> Elite athlete. Yeah, that's that's why. Um, <laughs> I didn't push my, my offsiders out of the way, no. Um, no, I was the first one down there and just I saw a brawl in front of me and I was just on the radio and I was was like, location, this is happening, back up. And I just think I was just, I don't know why it sticks out in my mind. I think it's just because it was such a clean job and I had another unit there within like 15 seconds to stop wow. the brawl with us. And I think I was just really proud of my communication um, and obviously adrenaline and I think that's just probably why that one sticks out in my mind. I like that. What do you think it is in those moments? Like, is it something over time you've got better at, or do you think it's part of your sporting career that's helped you? What do you think it is that can make you a good communicator in like the intense moments? I think it's partly, obviously, training at academy. Probably they try to drill into you a bit, you know, what to do, and you go over what what to do so many times in those kind of circumstances. Um, but I think also the high pressure situation. You know, it's it's like with with playing in front of a big crowd, you know, you've got so many people watching you and you've got to make a decision. You know, if someone's – it's like being a goalkeeper. If you're standing in goal, someone's running at you, you're going to run at them, you're going to stay where you are. Um, so I think, you know, it's that those high-pressure situations that you have to be cool, calm, collected in. Is that a weird thing for you – this kind of move towards like the technology era and that idea that so many things are filmed. Like, is it weird sometimes when you're on the job and in moments like that, where there might be a brawl or something going on to think that people are watching in that context? I think it's just, you know, it's just the world we live in. I'm just used to, you know, there's so much technology going on. Like anything can come out at any time of like, if you're on your phone, you know, like everything's tracked, everything's traced. Um, and I think just, you know, it's 
being in the eye of the public, being, you know, part of Victoria Police, you know, you have to be professional all the time. People are always watching. You have to, and it's the same with uh, being an athlete, you know, people look up to you, people, your role model to people. And I think that they definitely go hand in hand with that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. What would you say to someone who is thinking about a career at Vic Police? I think it's pretty good job. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like. I actually am. I'm surprised I'm in this job. Thinking back to when I was a kid, just a lot younger and really stubborn, and you know, didn't want to follow rules or anything like that. But. Um, I definitely think, you know, if your if your values and your morals align with those of Victoria Police, then that's definitely um definitely something you should do because I think if you want to be in this job, you have to have the same kind of morals and values and in, in the job and outside the job. Yeah, it's really cool. It's been really cool to hear about your story and I love this idea that you kind of you very much decide your own destiny in a way. I love the fact that you just sent email and just said hey give me a chance like I think it's so cool that you've really had the courage to put yourself out there and that you're back in a position to to keep aiming to play at the top level I've um I've really loved chatting to you today Beth thanks so much for your time and for being really open and honest with your story no worries thanks for you know allowing me to share it and um you know talk about my career as both a protective service officer and you know an athlete Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you got something out of this episode, I would absolutely love it if you could send it on to one person who you think might enjoy it. Otherwise, subscribe, give us a review and make sure you follow us on Instagram at The Female Athlete Project to stay up to date with podcast episodes, merch drops and of course, news and stories about epic female athletes. 